Hello, hello, my dear audience. Hello, my friends. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Today, I will start by answering your emails. I received a lot of emails in the last couple of weeks, and then we'll continue our journey exploring the Bible, at least for a little bit. And only then I will speak about politics, so that those who are not interested in my take on the situation in the Middle East could just stop listening. This way, they will still be able to benefit from the part that they are interested in. But if you have questions, comments, suggestions, please email me at peter 18 resnik R-E-Z-N-I-K, at gmail.com, peter18resnik at gmail.com. So we go with emails. The first email I received was from Turkey. Uh, it was written by a young woman. I don't want to give her name just in case. So she asked me to speak about happiness, how to be happy. Well, it's a great question. Uh, and I think everybody would love to know to have that answer uh, unless they found it. Fundamental experience of being happy is equal to being grateful. If one feels grateful, one feels happy. I already spoke once on this show that if you feel that you get what you deserve, you're contented. Let's say you were promised that or this for your efforts. Uh, let's say you were told that you will get $1,000 or, uh, or a car or a degree, and you got it. You're satisfied. You're not happy, but you're satisfied. The deal was fair, as agreed. If you feel that you, get, you, that you got more than you deserve, then you feel happy and grateful, perhaps a little guilty as well, if you feel that it's really more than you deserved or earned. In order to feel grateful, you must be humble. There are people who are as talented, as capable, perhaps as committed as you are, yet they did not get what you've got. Why? Well, one answer is, God, that's it. It's all in God's hands. Not in your hands. Not in our hands. And well, for whatever reason, this time around, you received whatever you received, and you, or you survived, or you found this or that, or you won. Whatever you were blessed with, whatever quantity or quality you got, it's all God's grace. As my ancestors were told uh, when they were about to cross the river Jordan into the promised land, God, through Moses, warned them, as you enter the land that I have promised to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you will grow fat in gold and silver. And you may say, it is because of my efforts that I got that. Remember, you have it because I gave it to you. And you may say, I, and I don't know, uh, young lady, whether you are religious or you're an atheist, but let's say now if you're an atheist, God bless you, uh, then it's also fine. Then you still can be happy because there is a reason to be grateful. Uh, it's actually even a greater reason to be grateful. As Forrest Gump said, you remember in the movie Forrest Gump, shit happens, and it does, all the time. And it could have happened to you. Bad things could happen, but they, they didn't. So be grateful for your luck. Look, majority of people don't have computers and are not educated. You wrote a nice uh, email somewhere in Turkey, so far away from New York City, and I received it, and you knew how to write. Majority of people don't know how to write. 
and don't have the luxury of sitting and writing emails. So you are fortunate. One way or another, there is always a reason to be grateful. If you look for a reason to be grateful, you will find it. And that will get you closer to feeling happy. As my teacher of blessed memory, Colette, said, happiness also cannot be a goal. It's a consequence. You may decide to get married as a consequence. Uh, you may feel fulfilled and happy, and uh, you may not. You may pursue some goal, and you may get something, and you may not be satisfied by it. But if you get whatever you get, and you feel, yeah, that's the right, absolutely wonderful that I got it. Because again, whatever you got, somebody possibly is getting less than you're getting. And somebody is getting more. So learn to be grateful. Learn to be grateful when you wake up in the morning that you can breathe. Because there are people on respirators gasping for air. I, I hope um, I answered at least partially your question about happiness. Now I have uh, an, another email from Judy. I received a couple of weeks ago two questions from Judy and I answered, I believe, the first one, now the second question. And that's regarding our studies of the Bible. How do you understand evolution in the light of what is written in the Torah, that God created Adam and Eve in one day? Well, the counting of years starts with the birth of Adam and Eve. Okay, I repeat, counting of years, that's not the counting of the universe, but uh, the birth of Adam and Eve. Year one, when Adam and Eve were born, and now the Hebrew calendar says it's 5,784th year. I already spoke about the age of the new universe, and about the paper that Rabbi Isaac of Acre wrote 700 years ago, through Kabbalistic calculations of the 90th Psalm written by King David. You remember, for a thousand years to me is like yesterday. That is, one God day is a thousand human years. That's about evolution of trees, animals, rocks, uh, fish, and all the species. Regarding human beings coming from apes, you're talking about Darwin. No, Judaism does not believe in this. And there is no evidence actually to it. If indeed apes came, uh, could be evolved into humans, there would be some observable, observable phenomena of changes in some of the species of apes becoming just a little bit, super little, having some movement toward becoming humans. But none of this has been observed in the last 5,000 years. And that's my answer. I received an email from Gwen, my old friend Gwen, who sent me many emails in the past and asked good questions. But this time she uh, was sharing a night dream. In fact, she wrote it down, asking me what I thought about it. Uh, well, Gwen, I have to tell you, I can not write and cannot answer anything, and I spoke about it in the past. The night dream of someone tells me nothing unless I can ask questions the person, uh, because I cannot ascribe meaning to any images that come in your night dream. I need to uh, listen, uh, following the content of your dream, I need to ask you questions. What each thing or person means to you. So I didn't forget about our last show of the week. Last show of the week, um, we, we decided we'll dedicate, if people are interested in talking about the night dreams, next week, next Tuesday, I believe it will be uh, the 31st, is, am I right? Yeah, 31st of October. And we'll start with night dreams. You're welcome to call and I will work with you on your night dreams. And I welcome everybody who's interested 
to to call and we'll talk about your night dreams uh, another email from again my friend from california ricardo dr resnick it was an interesting email dr resnick i know that the torah says men should not be alone that's true i know you referred to studies that men who are single have a higher chance of dying prematurely. What are your psychological thoughts on a man choosing to be alone, choosing to be single? I mean a man that does not seek a relationship and does not have a sexual relations with women. A man who has a job, is college educated, is financially stable, has no health or mental issues, is in physical excellent physical shape, does not drink or do drugs, takes no medications, and is a good-looking <laughs> man. I assume you're talking about yourself, you're a blessed man. Have you ever come across, I continue, have you ever come across someone like this in your practice? A man who just chooses to be single. Also, a very important aspect to add, to the single man. Uh, he does not watch adult entertainment and does not touch himself to pleasure since uh, there are single men who substitute their singleness by immersing themselves in adult entertainment and products. What a question, Ricardo. Wonderful question. Man, uh, as I was reading, and probably some of women who were listening were thinking, what a loss, what a great guy, <laughs> he's not interested, but it's absolutely your right. Okay, my answer. You're talking about a very accomplished man, I, I believe you're talking about yourself, who is quite together, knows how to take care of himself, probably has friends, a meaningful vocation, and a lot of interests does not sit at home alone feeling bad about his life, trying to numb his pain with drugs, alcohol, or porn. I think that man is a, in a very good shape indeed and has better chances to live a long and happy life than someone who is in a relationship that is full of conflict and frustration. There is only one thing I must uh, mention. And one thing must be taken care of, male sexual energy, the prostate, and total well-being. You see, Ricardo, uh, well, uh, Tibetan monks, for example, take a vow of celibacy, and of course also they discourage, they're discouraged to masturbate. So then they would develop prostate problems, just like I, uh, it's, I cannot now quote exactly when it was done, that I know a study was done, I believe, in France of Catholic priests. And they discovered that Catholic priests have higher rate of prostate cancer than a regular man. So, which says, basically, it's not natural, it's not healthy for, for men not to have sex for a grown adult man. But how do Tibetan monks uh, get away with it? They do certain access to, uh, yoga exercises. Um, in fact, uh, it's, it's called frog exercise. And I thought of mentioning it to you, uh, but I, was, I, I went on, on internet and I wrote frog exercise, but there are so many different varieties of frog exercises that I'm, uh, I'm afraid that you will not find the right one. I know I, what I believe is the right one. So why don't you send me a, an email? Uh, I will, or, or you, uh, send me your telephone number, Ricardo, and I will go with you on FaceTime, and it will take me two three minutes, and I will show you this frog exercise that you need to do, and then then you're fine. Okay. Now, next email I received from Kathy. Uh, as some, here's her email, as someone 
I admire and respect. After listening to your last podcast, I felt sad with a deep feeling of knowledge that information and perceptions you have expressed are laden with deceptive propaganda that I wish you could see. I have no bias toward Israel and quite frankly felt sorry for the Muslim social, quote, politics inflicted on the woman. But that does not prevent me as a humanitarian from seeing truth as it relates to political social oppression. Excuse me, I need a sip of my ginger tea. <clears throat> Why do my spiritual Jewish friends have difficulty seeing shadow government operating, uh, uh, shadow government operations of the new world order of control and depopulation agenda that exists today as it did during the uh, darkest part of their own ancestral history. Well, Kathy, I know, I, I believe I know who you are, and I know you're Irish. I love the Irish. They're beautiful people, real, full of passion and honesty. Uh, I have to tell you, Kathy, there are five million people in Ireland now. So proportionately, I want you to think for a moment. If you heard, you woke up one morning and you heard 1,000 Irish civilians, children, women, old people were tortured, burned, raped, beheaded. Would you be focusing on the shadow government right now? I know about the new world and the depopulation agenda. It's been around for a while. And COVID-19 was just a prelude to it. But first things first, the problem with Israel and terrorists existed before, way before the, uh, the agenda of the globalists. And the terrorists do not have a problem only with Israel. They pretend that they have territorial issues with Israel and the issues of the mask. Do, do they have claims with France who gave them a new home? No. Yet there are whole areas in Paris where police cannot go. What about 2016? Do you remember the horrifying uh, butchering in the, in the theater in Paris? The Muslim terrorists who killed scores of innocents they also gouged out their eyes and sliced, sliced up their genitals. Some victims were beheaded. And the terror in Spain and in Sweden. Do you think if they destroy Israel, they will stop? Oops, I, I got carried away, sorry. Let's return to the last, to, to, to some at least... Uh, part uh, that I promised you to the journey into the greatest book of instruction humanity knows. Back to chapter 3 of the book of Genesis. We learned not by now how Adam and Eve, following the seduction of the by the serpent, destroyed their trust, their relationship with God. They ate from the tree of good and evil how they did not take responsibility for their actions and chose blame rather than repentance, and how God punished them and the serpent. We ended, I believe, two weeks ago with chapter 3, verse 19, and here the verse 20. They were, remember, they were just punished. The woman will be giving birth in pain. The man will toil the soil. Uh, earned, earned his bread in hard labor. And verse 27 suddenly says, the man called his wife name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Interesting. Adam does not harbor anger against Eve, no anger from God against the couple, 
Now, as Adam realized that he became mortal, he also realized when God told Eve that she will, uh, he will multiply his uh, pain in childbirth, that through Eve, through childbirth, through her giving children, having children, Adam will have his immortality back. And why God is not angry and at Adam and Eve? Because God does not harbor grudges. God does not judge for long. God allows us to leave the consequences of our choices and then moves on. Humans made the choice. There were consequences, but that's it. Let's move on. Life continues. With new circumstances, new actions are warranted. That's all. A lesson to all, all of us. We are not to ruminate on what we have done, even if it did not bring, whatever we did did not bring the results we wanted. We assess what is, make necessary adjustments, and move on. Verse 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reaches out his hand and take also the, from the tree of life and eat and live forever. This verse requires a little dialogue. The first comment about it, according to Talmud, is that God uh, wanted Adam and Eve to demonstrate that they were able to live fully by the order that God created. Then they would be allowed to eat from the tree of life and become immortal. Immortal in their perfection. But they did not pass the test. Commentators, including Dennis Prager, suggest that God's concern was that Adam and Eve, after eating from the tree of knowledge, could have become the knowers, that is, the decision makers, of what is good and what is evil. And we know when man determines good and evil, man becomes God, which is precisely what God said in the verse and what precisely happened on many occasions later on in human history. Whether it was King Nimrod of Mesopotamia building the Tower of Babel, or Karl Marx who wrote, Man is God, or Joseph Stalin, or Adolf Hitler, or Mao Zedong, or Pol Pot, all those suppressed religion, the word of God, and became gods, we all witnessed what it brought to humanity. And now, uh, and the whole world, including America, seems to move the same direction. The authors of what they call the Great Reset seem to have uh, this ambition to become gods. As Klaus Schwab said, you will own nothing and be happy. Notice, he did not say, we will own nothing. He said, you will own nothing. He definitely will keep his millions, and so will his supporters. And they will run the world's government and tell us what is right and what is wrong. They will determine what is good and what is evil. We're already getting glimpses of what that new world order will be, where people who do not follow the, the, what they call true narrative are cancelled. Their postings on the media are censored, and their livelihood and even freedom are threatened. God, who knows past, present, and future, is warning us about not trying to become gods. Trying to become God never brings what we think it would, even if at first it looks appealing. Verse 23, Therefore the Lord God sent him out, Adam meaning, from the Garden of Eden to work 
the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the men, and at, uh, and then, uh, at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim with flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And now we're getting to chapter 4, which is very interesting. Uh, humanity is expanding. Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord has had regarded and the Lord had regard for Abel's for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he did not have regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? Pay attention, ladies and gentlemen, what God is saying. If you do well, will you not be accepted? Which means, if you make a correction, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Interesting. Sin. Though, by the way, the word sin, uh, as we translated it into English, does not exist in Hebrew language. Uh, the word in Hebrew is chet, which, which literally means missing the mark. So, which means God is saying you will keep making missing the mark. You will keep making errors. So it will not stop. So you have to correct yourself. Um, Jordan Peterson, Canadian psychologist, the author of the 12 Rules for Life, makes an interesting observation. Cain and Abel are the first two human beings, prototypical human beings. Adam and Eve are not. Remember, Adam and Eve are not really human beings. They were not born through uterus, uh, all, like all human beings are born. And these two first human beings already have rivalry, uh, fighting. No sooner than God punished Adam and Eve for not taking responsibility for their actions, the second story of not taking responsibility unfolds. Verse 8, chapter 4. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and they were in the field. Cain ro rose up against his brother Abel, Abel and killed him. Notice, Cain, Cain compared himself to his brother, and he killed him. Instead of taking responsibility for his actions and saying, oops, God is not happy with me, so what can I do? He compares himself and Abel's Gifts are taken, so he kills his brother. Uh, that's what happens, ladies and gentlemen. When we compare, actually we kill parts of ourselves. We are always unhappy. We are unique individuals. There has never been a person like us, like us before, never will be again after. It's a unique journey. And all you can compare yourself to is yourself, doing your best, not, never looking at the other person. Because either you commit murder, you feel bad about the other person, or you commit murder of yourself. We continue. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Notice once again. He's not taking responsibility, like parents, like son. And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying 
from the ground. And so then he curses, I will just skip uh, the details. Um, he curses um, Cain, God curses Cain, and, and Cain has to go away from the sight of God. And nevertheless, Cain still uh, marries. Remember, we are told that uh, Cain is born and Abel is born, but they're also born with twin with sisters, and then eventually they marry their sisters because there was no humanity yet. So um, Cain goes around. It's written actually in verse 17. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enosh. Uh, when he built the city, he called the name of the city after the name of his uh, son, Enosh. Interesting that Cain is trying now to make a correction. Rather than killing, rather than destroying, even though he is uh, destroyed emotionally that he cannot see the face, quote, face of God, cannot communicate directly, he is making a correction. He is involved in building. And then there is a whole genealogy of uh, Cain and his family and how he is growing. And then in uh, uh, verse 25 we read, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son called uh, Seth. And she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain has killed him. And then we have... Uh, all the offsprings of Seth and eventually uh, offsprings of Cain die uh, and basically we all are children of Seth uh, and then we see all in the chap basically chapter 5 is about uh, all the descendants of Adam remember Adam lived for 130 years. He fathered uh, sons and, and daughters. Um, and, no, no, he fathered Seth when he was uh, 130. But then he lived for another 800 years. And then they lived quite long lives. Altogether, Adam lived 130 years, and then he died. And then Seth lived 105 years and fathered a son and so on. They lived quite long lives, uh, all the way we read till the end of fifth um, chapter. It's one person gives birth to, and of course, men, and, and there are many women are born, and so humanity is growing. But there is a little problem happening, and that is they if they are free to make their choices, and their choices are not that good, because uh, there is more and more injustice happening in the world. Uh, and people, yes, people live till the age of six, seven, eight hundred years, uh, but there is a lot of thievery, robbery, murder, rape, uh, and a lot of disorder in the whole world. In the last verse of fifth chapter, uh, we read, after uh, Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And we begin sixth chapter, when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive, and they took their wives, uh, any of anyone they chose. The sages say that sons of God means rulers of important people. Again, it was injustice. But if we go to the fifth uh, verse, the Lord saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth. And that every intention of the thoughts of man in his, in, in his heart was only for evil. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth. And it grieved him 
opened his heart. Now we know God is non-physical, so we're we're taught that God felt pain, God felt emotional pain. God is non-physical, but remember, we our physical world is just an imitation of the God's capacity to feel. So imagine a, a trillion times greater frustration of God because God intended to create healthy community. And so then we go back to in, in the verse a 10, Noah begot, begot Shem Ham Japheth. And now I want you to listen to this. It's quite an interesting 11th verse. And now the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth became full of robbery. If you look, and please take, uh, take any Bible uh, but who has, which has um, Hebrew and English translation, which like stone edition, and look up Genesis chapter 6, verse 11, and look at the Hebrew text where it's written, in the, in, look first at the English, and the earth was full of robbery or lawlessness, lawlessness. And the word for robbery or lawlessness is Hamas. Het Mem Samet. Check it out. It's, it's quite incredible. Anyway, uh, now... <laughs> That, that reminds me of Hamas. I want to go back. We, we stop here at 11th, 11th um, verse of 6th chapter of Genesis. But what I want to say, once again, I was so disappointed by Mike Adams, uh, who I believe now, for whatever reason, uh, I don't want to call him anti-Semite, uh, uh, but he chooses to focus, to listen, to become mouthpiece of hatred of Israel. Without any, if he speaks out, he's a journalist. He has to check his information. And he joined those who blamed Israel as soon as the news came about the explosion at the hospital in Gaza. I, I, I read his posting, 500 people are killed in an, in a, an attack by Israelis. Did he verify? I expected it from New York Times. They also published Hamas lies. But Mike Adams uh, employs uh, explosive uh, specialists um, gave their data. Even CNN analysts and satellite pictures recognized that the creator was three by three and one meter deep, which indicates it could not be an Israeli bomb or a missile, and not 500 people, as, as by the way, New York Times also published, but 20 people, not 500, but 20 people were killed. Marches, protests around the world against Israeli cruelty, against Israel bombing of of a hospital. New York Times had to write an apology because then it was proven that it was not. It was a, a misfired missile by, by uh, whatever they're called, jihad or, uh, yes, one of these, not, not even Hamas, but another one of these terrorist organizations. Just before my show, I listened to Ralph Nader, wonderful guy. Brilliant guy, all right? Uh, he said, uh, look at what is happening now. But I want you to hear the sentence. How people speak has an impact on their listeners. And Ralph Nader is a very respectful gentleman, respectful, run for president at some point. And he said, look what is happening. The war made spread into Lebanon. What do you mean spread? It will not spread if Hezbollah does not attack. Hamas would not be attacked now if it did not butcher people. 
why not? Nobody speaks about that. I remember the caller last week, Phil from California. I think just from the sound of his voice and his manner of speaking, that Phil is an honorable uh, person and, and a gentleman. I was happy he called. He did not agree with my political view and was surprised and disappointed that I was I, I could be supporting Israeli position. I would like to post a couple of questions then, because I understand uh, um, Phil said that I was uh, supporting the what is occupying force. Occupying what? If Israel is an occupying force, it means they occupied Gaza, which in reality is not true. They left Gaza in 2005. And Palestinian people, through their free choice elections in 2007, elected the government, and that is they elected Hamas. These innocent civilians sent their, ch again, people are concerned. What about the children, innocent children? Uh, what about those who are not part of Hamas? Those who are not part of Hamas still send their children to school where children are indoctrinated to become mur martyrs, to die in the name of Allah, killing the Jews. And these people are, are killing in the name of Allah or teach their children to die in the name of Allah. They claim they follow Quran. But read Quran, read Surah 17, verse 104. It's written, and we said thereafter to the children of Israel, dwell securely in the promised land. Read, that's Muhammad saying, Surah 17, verse 104. I would like Phil or anyone who, call, who, who calls Israel an occupying army, occupying Palestine, please, Try to answer these questions. Number one, when was the state of Palestine founded and by whom? Question two, what were the borders of Palestine? Three, what was its capital? Four, where and what were the Palestine's major cities? Number five, what is, was uh, the underlying economy? What was it made of? Question six. What form of government did Palestine have? Seven. Can you name at least one Palestinian leader before Yasser Arafat, who was an Egyptian, went to Cairo University? Question number nine. What was the language of the state of Palestine? Question ten. What was the most common religion in the state of Palestine? The next question, since there is no such country today, what caused that country to, to, dis, to disappear? And the final question, people who are called Palestinians, aren't they the same that generic Arabs who gathered from different parts of Arab world or were thrown out? Israel, on the other hand, is the only nation in the whole world that inhabits the same land, bears the same name, speaks the same language, and worships the same God that it did 3,000 years ago. I heard a Palestinian representative, I don't know his name, who spoke at the press conference at the United Nations when, when the bombing of the hospital happened. And he said, uh, it was a week ago, before the blast at the hospital, Israel called hospital officials and told them that to evacuate because the building would be bombed. And he said, and they kept their word, they bombed, which probably he knew even then that it wasn't true. These were his words. Please, if you're interested in truth, then let's forget now about this. Now we know that the Israel didn't bomb. But why would Israel want to get a bad rap? Why would they want to bomb hospitals knowing that the whole world will be appalled? Because the Hamas stores their weapons 
in the basements of the hospitals, in schools, in kindergartens. What kind of creatures, what kind of, I'm sorry to say, human beings would do that, use children and sick people as human shields? That's what we're dealing with. I, I prepared something for you. Uh, at least let's see if we can make it happen. This is a, a non, non-Jew speaking, okay? There are two views of the Israeli military, what you hear in most of the media and the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. I was the commander of British forces in Afghanistan. I have fought in combat zones around the world, including Northern Ireland, Bosnia, Macedonia and Iraq. I was also present throughout the conflict in Gaza in 2014. Based on my experience and on my observations, the Israel Defense Force, the IDF, does more to safeguard the rights of civilians in a combat zone than any other army in the history of warfare. Why is this so? Firstly, Israel is a decent country with Western values run on democratic principles. Israel has no more interest in war than Belgium does. In fact, Israel has never started a war. The only reason it ever goes to war is to defend itself. And it has to defend itself because unlike Belgium, it is surrounded by countries and armed groups that want to destroy it. Secondly, Judaism, with its unsurpassed moral standards, remains a major influence on the citizens of Israel. I say this as a non-Jew. Thirdly, the army is composed overwhelmingly of citizen soldiers. Israel is a small country with a small professional army. To fight a war, it depends on its conscripts and its reservists. These are ordinary citizens, from professors to plumbers, called upon to defend their homes. They don't want to be fighting, and they don't want to harm others. Nowhere was the essential morality and decency of the IDF more evident than in the Gaza War of 2014. If ever there was a purely defensive war, this was it. The war was started by Hamas, the terror organization, designated as such by the U.S. State Department that runs the Gaza Strip. In the first six months of 2014, Hamas launched hundreds of rockets at Israeli civilians. After repeated warnings from Israel to stop, the Israeli Air Force finally conducted precision strikes to halt the rocket fire. And the IDF advanced into Gaza to destroy a network of terror tunnels that Hamas had constructed to attack Israeli communities near the Gaza border. The IDF took extraordinary measures to give Gaza civilians notice of targeted areas, dropping millions of leaflets, broadcasting radio messages, sending texts, and making tens of thousands of phone calls. Let me repeat that. The Israelis called Gazans on their cell phones and told them to leave their residences and move to safety. Never in the history of warfare has an army phoned its enemy and told them where they're going to drop their bombs. Many IDF missions that could have taken out Hamas military capabilities were aborted to prevent civilian casualties, increasing the risk to Israeli citizens and soldiers. Despite all of this, of course innocent civilians were killed. Every war is chaotic and confusing, and mistakes are frequent. But mistakes are not war crimes. Hamas, on the other hand, committed war crimes as official government policy. Hamas deliberately positioned its military assets among the civilian population, hiding weapons in schools and hospitals, and placing rocket launchers alongside apartment buildings, then forced those civilians to stay in areas they knew would be attacked. They also instructed their people to report the lie that every Gazan killed was a civilian, even if they were actually fighters. And if there were no civilian deaths, Hamas made them up. 
Numerous internet sites show Palestinians elaborately staging sniper victims and smashed ambulances, among other phony horrors. It's so common, there's even a term for it, Pallywood, as in Palestinian Hollywood. Ironically, it's the leaders of Hamas themselves who best understand the extraordinary measures the IDF will take to protect innocent civilians. They take full advantage of Israel's decency and adherence to the laws of war. No army takes such risks in order to protect civilians as the Israeli army does. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that was a colonel of the British army. Uh, I just wanted to, to play for you another a little clip uh, and I believe this, uh, I know that this woman is from Syria, uh, or at least Syrian-born, and she, I don't know if she is an actress or, or whoever she is, she is quite eloquent. Solidarity with the Israeli people, but I also want to say something because I am an Arab American. My heart breaks for the Palestinians. Um, my ancestral home homeland is Syria. Uh, we have the biggest refugee crisis in the world of Syrian refugees. And what it shows me is that when a country is torn apart by terrorism, and I would include the Assad government as part of that terrorism, you cannot live in peace. You cannot live in a 21st century prosperous, thriving place. For Palestine to be free, for the Palestinian territory to be free, they need to join in ridding themselves of Hamas. Plain and simple. If you want to see a 21st century thriving, prosperous Palestinian territory, that's what will happen. We, they, Palestine receives billions of dollars in foreign aid from all over the world, but Hamas uses that for its terrorist efforts. The reason they don't have basic infrastructure, the reason that right now we can see their infrastructure turned off, is because Hamas is living large in Qatar. All their leaders are in Qatar right now telling the Palestinian people, you need to sit here and you need to be willing to die for the cause when we're not. War is hell. I, I've seen it up close. Um, there's going to be bad things that happen, but Israel has a right to defend itself. I've expressed before on the program my, my utter solidarity with Okay. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, I, actually, I, maybe I have still another couple of minutes, and I will try to pl play for you at least a part of the interview with what is called now uh, a son of Hamas, uh, a gentleman who grew up, uh, who is a, a son of one of the founders of Hamas. And then he uh, escaped. And, All right, and, uh, thanks so much, Carl. Your next guest grew up on the West Bank. And, and uh, actually converted to Christianity. His name is, oh, he will say. Bob was name. a founding member of Hamas. He was groomed to take a senior role before he turned on the terrorist group in prison. Spying for Israel now, converted to Christianity, and ultimately seeking asylum in the U.S. Masab Hassan returns to us now as he came a few years ago, and now we got more than ever. Masab, it's great to see you. We'd love to know the inside of this group and how they were able to pull off what they did October 7th. First, can you tell the audience your background, people that didn't read your book? Uh, you know, I was born at the heart of Hamas leadership, you know, and I know them very well. Uh, they don't care for the Palestinian people. They don't regard uh, the human life. And uh, I saw their brutality firsthand uh, back in 1996 when I spent about a year and a half in Megiddo prison. You know, they killed so many Palestinian people at that time. And this is when I decided that I, I cannot be together with this uh, movement. In fact, I asked myself a question. What if they become a ruling party at some point? What will they do? If they succeed in destroying Israel and building their state, what will they do? They will kill our people. And this was the first question, you know, that actually I had to be honest with myself. Even though Hamas gave me advantages, you know, I was like a prince in that world. And, but I did not like them, you know, and uh, I turned against uh, even my own blood. You know, because this is how much I did not like Hamas. And today, 25 years later, they are the rulers of Gaza, and we see what they are capable of doing. We saw what happened October 7th. We saw them uh, uh, do what they did to Holocaust victims. They have now over 200 hostages, uh, murdered babies in their cribs, and we see the horror of what they're capable of. Now they've retreated back to Gaza, and a, a ground incursion is about to happen. Would you recommend Israel do this? And what will they find when they go in? 
Okay, first of all, we need to evacuate civilians. Anyway, uh, it's actually quite a long interview. I just uh, realized that I played for you um, the clip with the colonel from the British Army, and you heard he was speaking about his experience in um, the war with Hamas that um, Israel had in 2014. Uh, but nothing changed. Since 2014, nothing changed. The same thing is happening now. They still, in this, in this, what, nine years, they build more tunnels. They accumulated more weapons because more and more money was flowing into Gaza, which did not go into building any infrastructure. So, and Israelis will do their very best from what we know, historically they have done, uh, to prevent unneeded casualties, but I'm sure there will be casualties. And the, the sad thing is this now, there is a whole petition that they write from Hollywood to President Biden uh, to, to start the support of Israel. I don't know how, who, who is thinking, how they're thinking about it. it yes, people, people feel sorry for the children, but how come that they suddenly forgot 1,400 people that were slaughtered in Israel, all those children which were kidnapped uh, and now somewhere in, in the tunnels in Gaza. How come that suddenly they are protecting only uh, Gazans rather than thinking of what happened to, to Israelis? And do they have right to protect themselves? I spoke about it last week. Proportionately to population, it says if 68,000 American people were slaughtered when 3,000 were killed in September 11, we bombed Afghanistan. We threw a bomb, one, if you remember, one big bomb that destroyed everything like the size of half of Manhattan. Everything, probably not even cockroach was left. If there were cockroaches there, nobody said anything about it because, of course, we were protecting ourselves. We were fighting back, and suddenly everybody is blaming Israel. Uh, it's 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 puzzling to me. It's really puzzling. I don't have an answer why. I don't think that people, all people, are anti-Semitic, but something's unique about Israel. This little country. Uh, with 7 million Jewish people, which is, you know, one, uh, no, it's uh, our, our 7 million, it's what, it's one of two people out of a thousand in the world. So, and when something happens with Israel, even if there is some compassion in the beginning, everything turns around and people begin to blame Israel. I don't have an answer to it. I hope some of you do. Uh, and I will be happy to discuss it with you. I'm really interested in different opinions. I'm talking to you people for almost three years. December 1st will be three years. And I've got a lot of good emails and, and good questions, good suggestions. So I know it, I'm talking to intelligent people who are curious about life, trying to understand. As, as Carol, I remember, I remember Carol from Brooklyn posed this wonderful question two years ago, two and a half years ago, what's the meaning of life? And what's the meaning of, of how we, why we interpret things the way we do? And, and what is it about Israel that people always turn against it. United Nations spoke against Israel more than any, any of, these, of these great countries, and there are slaughters happening around the world. And yet Israel is always the worst. would love to hear from you. Thank you for being with me today. I have to wrap up. And uh, as I said, we'll start with, if anybody's interested in talking about the night dreams, and, and I also will be happy to answer your emails.
and thank you for being with me today. Um, be happy and peace to all who want to live in peace. Adela. Adela.